Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is Freak Bass. I love Freak Bass. He is the sweetest man in the world. He's a funk musician who's currently on tour, so we're going to talk about that, but just one of the nicest humans ever. Ever. So I need him today because I'm in a bit of a mood. Before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash start me up. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash start me up. And don't forget you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Freak Bass. Welcome back to the show, Freak. <laughs> hey, it's great to be back. I'm, I'm actually, I'm almost like, feel like a, a, a regular, my second show. <laughs> Plus, you were on Bob's show, and so it's like, yeah, you're in the family now. We're all related. Uh, oh, I love that. Thank you. Well, and I, you know, I want to call you so desperately. I want to call you the teddy bear of funk, but I don't know if that would like irritate you. So I don't want to irritate you, but you're so freaking sweet. Oh, <laughs> like... I like the teddy bear of funk. That's got a cool little ring to it. I'm, I'm and... down. I'm an animal. I'm an animal lover. So it's all good. <laughs> and the thing is, is that, you know, I mean, it's funny because I think Bob told you when you were first on his show, he expected a completely different kind of personality. And, you know, as it turns out, you are, you're incredibly sweet. And, 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 and I say that in a way you know, sometimes that can be, that comes across, I don't know why, as weak, but I don't mean it in a weak way. I mean it, it's just like, I think sweetness is strength. So I think you're incredibly strong and amazing, but you're also so, just so much fun and you have such a good loving energy about you. And that's so important these days. So I'm just like, thank you for, and I'm in such a shitty mood, which we're going to talk about in a second. So I'm yeah. really glad today I'm talking to you because everyone uh. online is pissing me off. Oh, well, I, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm, I'm I, uh, very excited when you, you know, uh, reached out to me about being on today. I was super excited. I love talking to you and Bob both. So, uh, oh. so thanks for having me on. Oh, we just love each other so much. Um, okay. So you're on tour right now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, we've been everywhere for the last, you know, kind of started. I mean, we did a little run back in uh, March, like we did an East coast run, like New York city, that, that area. But then, mm -hmm. um, and then, but our kind of big run started a few weeks back. We, did, we were in Colorado, New Mexico. Then we went back to the East Coast. I just, this past weekend, I was in, well, Saturday, I was, or excuse me, Sunday, we were in Lake George, New York and Pennsylvania. Um, so yeah, we're, we're starting to get, it's it's starting to feel like 2019 a little bit in terms <laughs> of just our touring schedule is getting back to semi-normal. It's still, it's still definitely different out there than it was. I mean, it's mm -hmm. never going to, we're never going to be pre-pandemic right. um, in terms of the vibe out there, but it's, um, but it's starting to feel, you know, people are, you know, happy to be out and be around each other. And we're doing a lot of outside festival stuff too, which makes it a little more comforting too as well. So um, yeah, it's been great getting back out and seeing people and playing in front of people again too, as well. Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, obviously you're a performer, and so I'm sure the energy that you get from a live performance, I mean, there's just nothing like it. Um, but have do you feel, I know that it feels great, but does it also feel kind of, you know, mentioning that since we're not going to get to pre-pandemic at least anytime soon, right? Um, are you feeling any kind of like caution and fear or are you just put, how, how are you dealing with that? I do. I mean, I do. I mean, I do a little bit. I'm still I'm probably even more than anybody else in the band. I'm just super because since, you know, my name is Freak Bass and, and if, if something happens to me, if I get sick and we have to cancel shows that that that's everybody's not working. Right. You know, so so I'm overly cautious, probably like, you know, whenever I go, I'm, I wear my mask anytime I don't that I can wear my mask. I mean, obviously, I'm not wearing it on stage, but yeah. like, you know, if we go into a truck stop or a restaurant or I'm still, I'm still to be honest with you, not comfortable with even sitting totally in rest, like indoor yeah. restaurants yet. I mean, if they're outside, that's great. But again, and it's not because I'm living this, this state of fear, but it's mm -hmm. just, again, it's the, I always know if I get sick, it's right. not just, it's just not me just not showing up for work. It's like, I'm, I'm canceling us, you know, work for, you know, six, seven, eight other people that mm -hmm. aren't going to be getting paid because of me being sick. So, right. um, 
So again, I'm probably overly cautious of that. And, you know, I think a lot of musicians feel that way too, mm -hmm. as well. I mean, generally the musician community itself, like when you're backstage, like, you know, we were in a festival, there were a million musicians backstage this weekend mm -hmm. and everybody feels, you know, first off it was outside and generally most musicians, you know, because of what I just mentioned, have to kind of live with that yeah. um, with them that, you know, you feel pretty, pretty safe around most musicians and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's still that that's always, and you know, you read it every day. I mean, there's, there's tours that get canceled mm -hmm. almost daily because, you know, whether it's a crew member or a member of the band gets sick. So it's just, it's the new reality that we're in right now, you know? Yeah, it really is. And actually, uh, after the show today, I'm going to go get my my booster for I, what is I don't know how they're calling it bivalent. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it is the new Omicron booster. I mm. did I did read that they're not sure about, you know, how it's going to how effective it will be. I think, sure. it, you know, it's obviously it's newer. I also. It, OK, so here's interesting. I was considering getting um, all of my shots up until now have been Moderna. And I was hearing that maybe in this particular shot, it's better to go, you know, like get a Pfizer and vice versa. If you've all gotten all Pfizer, um, maybe go for the Moderna. So the other day when I was at the grocery store, I, I went up to the pharmacist and I started asking her questions. And she actually would have given me a shot right then and there. I just wanted to go research it a little more and make sure I knew I was eligible, but I just wanted to make sure I was eligible and I just didn't want to make the decision on the spot. But I said to her, you know, I heard that it's better to cross over and get if, you know, because I've gotten all Moderna and she yeah. said, she said, well, I got Moderna, but I'm going to get the Moderna again. And I said, why? And she goes, well, I'm not giving you advice. I'm just telling you that I I've heard the Moderna is a little bit stronger. So that's going to be my personal choice. So I was like, mm. okay, convinced I can, she convinced me. So, um, I went and I booked my appointment. So yeah, five 30 today, I'm going to go get it and I'm getting the Moderna one. So we'll oh, see, okay, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm, I'm a little, um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it helps. And, you know, of course for me, it's about long COVID. I just don't want to get long COVID. I don't give a shit if I get a, you know, a virus and I don't feel good for a while, even worst case scenario, if I were to lose my sense of smell or something like that, if it comes back, who cares? It's not that that scares me. What scares me is the long term and the disintegration of the brain and, and, and the heart issues and all that stuff that comes up. That's what freaks me out. So I'm doing everything I can to avoid it. And it, you know, I mean, to say, <clears throat> I know we, we don't, nobody wants to live in fear because that's not a healthy way to live. But at the sure. same time, there is something that is threatening our well-being out there. And yeah. so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a little scary. And um, I think it's okay to have a little bit of fear when it comes to a virus that can fuck your brain up. So <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I'm and, I, and I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm ne I don't care if, COVID's totally eradicated off face of earth. I'm never flying again without a mask ever. Wow, yeah. Like I can't believe, and in hindsight, I can't believe that I ever did fly with, <laughs> without a mask, you know, just because you're in this, like, you know, I'm not even talking about COVID, just like colds, flus, whatever. You're yeah. in this little, little space sitting next to a stranger mm -hmm. you've never met and will never probably see again for the rest of your life. <laughs> and uh, like what, you know, what, I, I don't know. I mean, Michael Jackson, you know, there's a lot of good and bad thing we say about Michael Jackson, but he might've had that one, one thing he might've been ahead of the curve on us on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember back in, I think it was 2007, I was starting this new job and it was February and we had a terrible flu season. And so I had to fly <laughs> to Atlanta from LA to Atlanta I had to fly for the, uh, you know, go through the process of learning my new job and whatnot. And so I remember flying home and everyone was coughing. And so I got, and at the time I was dumb because I was a smoker and I was, I, my mom was staying with me because she was actually moving from Arizona to Northern California. And there was a time where she was staying with me and she was actually watching my cats while I was away on this work yep. trip. So she picks me up from the airport on Thursday night. All day Friday, I coughed. I wasn't sick, but I was coughing, and we just assumed it was like a smoker's cough. And then yeah. she left on Saturday, and Saturday night, I started getting a fever, and I got the flu. And I was, I was so fucked up from that mm. flu for two weeks, man. I lost my voice. I, my temp, there was a, I have a story about, I mean, I have a reason for saying this, but there was a point, and it was right around Valentine's Day, because uh, I think my fever broke on Valentine's Day, but... I remember I was laying there and I had taken an aspirin and I wasn't feeling good. And I took my temperature. It was like 101.1. And then I took it again. And it, then it was like 10, 
1.9, then 102.3. It went all the way up because I just kept taking it and taking because I could feel myself getting worse. And it went up to 103.5. And oh so uh, I went into the kitchen, which was like, I can't even tell you how difficult it was for me to get off of my bed and go in the kitchen. And I took Advil. And then I went into the bathroom because I thought I'm going to put, you know, a towel over my face, uh, like a cold towel. And my I was beet red. It's like, mm. Jesus, if I hadn't taken the Advil, which actually did help my fever go down, like, what would have happened? Would I just, like, yeah. exploded? I mean, I don't know, but right. it was wow, really scary. But, um, but, yeah, and so I, you know, I wonder, maybe if I would have worn a mask at that point, I wouldn't have gotten sick. So, yeah, you're, you're so – I think, you know, we've been seeing it in China. People walk around. That's their normal now. They just yeah, they walk yeah, around with for masks. years in yeah. the airport. You've seen it in years from the mm-hmm. airport, yeah. Yeah, so it's like it, it just you know, especially during the flu season and stuff like that when you're grocery shopping too. I think it's yeah. uh, something that we, it's just a way to protect protect ourselves. Now, right. uh, are you interested in getting this Omicron variant vaccine? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm 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 about as pro-vax as they come. I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. And I have friends that you talk about the long COVID thing. I have musician friends. A singer I know, and she's like 28, 29 years old, and she um, she has to she got COVID, you know, back a year or so ago, and and now she has some heart issues she mm. has to deal with, and she has to wear like a, a monitor, like wow. to, it's like the little thing to to see if you know like what her heart beats per minute is and stuff like that, and it's um and it's all since COVID, so it's uh you know it's obviously playing Russian roulette with yeah. everybody. You know, some people will be totally fine, but some mm-hmm. people, you know, and again, it's so early. We, mm-hmm. You know, you talk about that a lot. It's we're still what two, you yeah. three years into this. I mean, it feels like forever, five, but six, it's seven early. years. That's what's to see where we're at then. You know, right? So. Yeah, and I'm like, it feel it feels like we've been dealing with it forever, but it really it is still very young in in what yeah. we we know. Um, just to kind of switch to something a little before I start ranting about people getting on my nerves. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know, I mean, I've, I've been an actor and obviously I have, I sit in front of a microphone right here, but that's not the same as what you do at all. And I just, I'd like for you to kind of explain what it's like for you when you're in the middle of a concert and everything's going great and you're feeling good and the audience is giving it back to you. What is it that you're feeling? What are you going through? Like, take us through that experience because I've always wondered. And, you know, I mean, obviously there's a certain amount that we can all guess, but you know, the horse's mouth is the best place to hear it. Sure. Well, it's definitely, you know, there's four to it for sure. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the reason why I always think that so many musicians end up doing drugs or drinking so bad because you're always, once you get off stage, you're always trying to figure out a way to to match that euphoric feeling you have while you're on stage. Mm -hmm. And there's something uh, that's also really strange about being on stage too, is you can be whether you be whether you are sick or whether you've had too much to drink or smoke or whatever it is you do this for some reason it's almost like the second your foot hits that stage something like in your brain triggers yeah. it's i don't know if it's muscle memory or what and you're you know you're like a different human being i mean mm-hmm. you're just you're you, you can do things you know the second you're off stage you're back to that normal messed up person whatever that that is mm-hmm. but um but yeah, I mean, the it's just like, especially with you know, with you know, with with music, and when you you know, for me being a bass player, when I'm playing with my drummer, I'm really locked into the groove, and it you feel like you can almost hit no wrong note, even mm-hmm. if it is a wrong note, it it's it'll it'll sound intentional if you do it with the right authority. So it's just there, there's a bond that happens with the audience, and that's the difference again from playing live. The, the audience becomes almost like part of the band. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, they're as much as part as what you're doing is what you're doing. And, yeah. and uh, there's this, this relationship that happens between you and the audience. That's, I mean, I don't even know how it can be replicated in any other situation. There's a great movie that I liked it a lot. At least it just came out the the Elvis movie that came out, the I'm Baz Luhrmann movie, that. which is, which I just, I'm an Elvis fanatic. My mom was a huge Elvis fan. So she turned me on to that. And, um, so um and uh there's a there's a quote i can't have the quote exactly but it's uh, something tom parker is kind of the narrator it's tom mm-hmm. hanks you know playing his mm-hmm. manager and he's saying he's talking about when him it's right around when uh, elvis and priscilla were getting ready to get divorced and he said he 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 knew when he looked over priscilla and elvis the way he was on stage this is like 1970 71 he's like she's never going to be able to duplicate or replicate that feeling he mm-hmm. has on stage. It's not that he's, and he's something like he wants to go around and, and 
uh, corrals around with other women. It's just, it's the stage was his love mm-hmm. of, and she's not gonna be able to match that. And, and, um, there's something about being on stage is it's, you know, on the, in the musical side of stuff, it's just, hmm. it's, it's, you are in a different, again, you turn into almost, it's almost like you're either you're turning into your real person hmm. or you're turning a different person. That's, that's the, the dichotomy us musicians don't know. It's like, is that the real me up there? Or is that the real me off the stage? You just don't know, you know, and that's I'm sure it's the same for acting in that sense, but it it's, is, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I you guess you know what's kinda... interesting. I, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that I usually reserve for my patrons only shows because I love to talk about spirituality and everything. So I don't want to beat anybody's sure. head over this. And I'm this is my perspective. I'm not saying you have to feel this way or you have to go along with what I believe. But what I believe, because you said it just that particular way, it is my personal belief that uh, we are ultimately spiritual awareness in human bodies. And Mm -hmm. so I do think it is the real you. I think our spiritual awareness um, is not physical and it, it, it it is not over when the body dies. Um, There's a lot to this and I'm not going to get into it, but, but this is, okay. Now when I say this is my belief, belief is a strong word. I'm leaning towards this because I, I I love, I love on my off time, to kind of listen to people who have had near-death experiences and things like that. And I've listened to naysayers and scientists and everything, Mm. and everything that I've concluded has brought me to this place right now, which can easily, you know, I can get new information and have a new idea about things. But the conclusions that I've made thus far, I genuinely believe that when we are in, uh, you know, when you're on stage, when you're performing, when anybody is in any kind of... um, you know, hardcore intelligence. I think that's our, for lack of a better word, higher self. I, I do think yeah. that is our real self. So that that's interesting that you bring that up, that you say it that way, because I think that's what it is. I think you're tapping in to your real essence. And um, so there's that. And also, I totally know what you mean, because as an actor, it's, it's so true. It's like you could be sick, you could be fucked up, you could have the worst day of your life, but you get on stage and you're performing. And even if it's just in an acting class, because, you know, if you're not in fr- I've had it many times happen in an acting class. Yes, yeah. I had an audience, but it was it was supportive, you know, actors out there who were supporting me. And, and even when I messed up. But yeah, it's amazing how you just walk out of yourself and you walk into this new thing. It's so yeah. amazing. Wow. Yeah. And the thing and people, you know, everybody sees that hour or two hours when you're on stage, you know, the, the other 22 hours of the day, you're, you know, you're riding around in a bus or a mm-hmm. van and uh, like not getting any sleep and not getting, and so it's uh, the stuff that you physically put your, your body and your, your brain through yeah. for those two hours is pretty, can be pretty excruciating at times. And, and, uh, and there's, there's got to, there's a reason why we we do that. The reason why yeah. we go through that, through, you know, that, that 22, that 22 hours of just pure craziness for that one and a half, two hours of right. pure bliss. It's, wow. it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense, but it, I mean, it does, the second you're on stage, it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, everything makes sense, but that whole, literally that whole time, even driving up to, you know, the gig, you're like, Oh my gosh, I've just ridden <laughs> 10 hours in this van. I can't do this again. And in the second you're on stage, everything, everything changes. Yeah. Wow. That's just so cool. Um, I, you know, I mean, I've always wondered, I mean, I never had obviously hardcore fame or success when it came to acting. I had some and I was able to, you know, I've been on stage, I've been on television and all that stuff. But um, I can just imagine what it must be like to be a musician. That's all I've got is my imagination. But I just can imagine how euphoric that must feel. It just and plus, I mean, music to me is so important. I mean, it's important to so many of us, but just every once in a while, like when I'm down or something, at night, you know, oftentimes I will post lyrics from songs. It's because I'm listening to them. I'm. It's like you know, I'm having what I refer to as my after dinner Twitter. Wink, wink. Yeah. And um, I like to, you know, I'll I'll maybe listen to one song, and that leads me to the next one to the next one. Although it was so funny, the other night uh, Bob came out. I was on the couch, and he came out of his office. It's like ten o'clock, and I was listening to um, a girl called Johnny. Do you know that song by the Water Boys? Uh, I think I knew that. Tr- I that love track. that yeah. fucking song. I love that song. So I was, my eyes were closed and I had my headphones on and I was just performing it. And then yeah. I opened my eyes and there's Bob looking at me. <laughs> uh, that's great. <laughs> but I mean, I was like living the song. Oh my God. I love, I love the water boys and I love that song. Anyway. Um, okay. So I'm just going to switch this over to, I'm really irritated because 
and I was, I was grateful and happy after we started seeing momentum, right? Like we saw Roe overturned, we saw all this shit happen. And then the one six committee and, uh, you know, that that's starting to penetrate into voters. And I guess Chris Hayes for several nights in a row has been emphasizing that the number one thing on voters minds is saving democracy. Good. I'm glad. Then, you know, I'm seeing that more, more and more, especially young women, but still more and more people, young people are registering as Democrats and that's not being picked up in current polling. Um, that is not part of the equation yet when it comes to the House, which is good news for us. The momentum is building. And then yesterday we've got this fucking judge who is a Trump appointed judge saying that, yes, there can be a special master and it's ridiculous. It's all fucking ridiculous. And now I'm seeing the, the momentum, some of the momentum that we were experiencing, at least I'm seeing it online, it's dropping. And people are starting to go, oh, it's over. We're done. No, we're not. Because you know what? If it's a full-blown fascist autocracy, you will fucking see the difference. It won't be like this. <laughs> yeah. We still yeah. have hope. We still have something to do. And part of that, aside from voting, is keeping an optimistic attitude even if we don't fucking win. And it's, it's making me so angry that people are just so quick to allow one piece of bad information to throw away the momentum we've been building. And I know it's not everybody, but it's just driving me fucking nuts. <laughs> ah! Well, the one thing I'll say that that was encouraging, I was worried, you know, you, you saw the like from the main a lot of the mainstream media, the, like the blowback that they were given to Biden's speech from yes. uh, Thursday night. Yes. And I'm glad at least everything I've been seeing him do so far, whether it be, you know, whoever does his Twitter account or or, or whatever he puts statements he puts out on his own. Mm -hmm. He's not backing away from that too much. Like yeah. he's not like they're, they're trying. It's almost like they're trying to make him cower under everything right. from from that speech and and um you know I, I was very you know biden wasn't my first choice you know for for president i'm sure like a lot of your listeners it was probably the same situation but i was very that speech was one of the best speeches yeah. not only him i think an american president has given and, and at least in my lifetime and um and, and I think when we look back years from now we're gonna see it that way and yeah. um yeah i mean this is serious it's it's I it drives me crazy when I see some of the news anchors, and I'm not going to say on what network, but and it's not Fox, because of course Fox is, but some mm -hmm. of the news anchors when they kind of like have this little smirk, like as if like this whole thing's like a game, yeah. Like it's like a, it's like a it's like showbiz, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like no, this is not showbiz, you know. It's this is real people's lives that we're dealing with, and it's it's super. I was yeah when that when that decision came out yesterday, it was it messed me up for a couple yeah. hours, but you know. I, I do have faith in, in the Justice Department and I and then, you know, they keep their as we saw as we saw, you know, I mean, who would have predicted what what happened in Florida, right. you know, a month ago. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll, we'll see what the next the next move is. But it's you know, it's I try not to 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 go down the, the network news or, or even the cable news rabbit hole with, with certain networks just because it feels like they're. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it's all about ratings, you mm -hmm. know, it's, it, and it's not about truth or, you know, it's this is so I mean, I got a parking ticket, so I want to get a, a can I get a special master for my parking ticket? Like, so I can argue <laughs> that, too, right, as well. Exactly. You know, I don't feel like this is this was justified to me. Can I you know, it's 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 crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. And, you know, watch a hot Ali. So let's just go into this whole thing about. um you know what you're talking about now. Some, you know, some, I will name a few names, but Wajaha Ali wrote right wing takeover of Politico, which there was a story. I have a, a bit on that, too. Um, Politico and CNN plus mainstream outlets like like CBS and others have are are actively courting Trumpers and pulling their punches for sake of GOP access. It reveals terrible. Uh, it's terrible about. I'm, I'm not reading this well. Reveals everything terrible about mainstream media and its normalization of fascism. It's going to get worse. And, you know, um, I'm I'm seeing here Lawrence O'Donnell also posted. He, he had asked, like, how do we how do we handle with with um, like, for instance, with political, the new Politico, the new German owner of Politico sent an email to his closest executives asking if they should meet to pray for Donald Trump's re-election, according to a report 
Um, it was, I think it was the morning of November 3rd asking if they should get together and pray that he'll be president again. So, yeah, I mean, certain people at CNN. Now, there are good people like I, I'm just going to name, you know, I really like Acosta. I know Don Lemon. I trust Don Lemon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm not a CNN watcher, though. But, you know, Lawrence O'Donnell, I think, is fucking badass. And I love him to the day I die. Yeah. Uh, Joy Reid, yeah. Ra- Rachel Maddow, Chris Hayes. I, I don't oh, I don't <clears throat> like that Chris Hayes has um, George. What's his name? Um, Mary Ke- Conway. George Conway on. I don't like that. It, I don't know yeah. that it's his decision. You know, I'm sure George got some deal. But um, but overall, I, I think Chris Hayes is a good journalist. And when I say his heart is in the right place, I mean he cares about democracy and telling the truth. So, um, yeah, of course there are some people on cable news that are good. But ultimately, there are certain news outlets, whether it's cable. And I, I could hear today Bob Sesco. While I was going making my breakfast. Bob's doing his show, right, in his office. Yeah. So I could hear him talking about this. And he was saying, you know, Americans are going to have to start um, – stop or i should say stop um relying solely on cable news um and 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 i you know we were talking about this last night absolutely we have to be very diverse and careful about where we get our news because you know some the old the even an oligarch is running msnbc so you know there's chuck todd and andrea mitchell and some of these people out there who either both sides it or they condemn like you're saying you know condemning biden um CNN was going crazy about these fucking Marines standing behind him, even though there's Marines standing behind every other president, every other political speech. <laughs> it's like, this is nothing right. new. And so, yeah. um, but there are oligarchs running these uh, media. It's media. It's not necessarily news. It's media. And so it's, and it's bias. I don't, you know, I don't mind having some bias on either side. That's that we should, we should have opinion. We should have all. Sure. Way. Sure. We should have a straightforward news system, and we just don't have that anymore, where all you're getting is just the news with no opinion and no slant. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree totally, too, as well. And, like, even the thing, you know, a, a story that didn't get – because there was it was right around the time that the, the, the Florida thing happened is um, – you know, Sarah Palin losing her election. I mm-hmm. guarantee you, if it, if it was the other way, she had won her election, oh, yeah. that would have been almost the top story, like on, right. you know, and just like, oh my gosh, she's back, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. It's like, but then it just gets put, she lost, which is, not only did she lose, she lost to a Democrat that hasn't held that seat, what, in like 40, 50 years? Yeah. And it's like, and it was like almost a non-news story, you know, yep. unless you really looked for it, you know? Right. Exactly. It's just fucking crazy. You know, we're going to do a quick little break and we'll be back after this message. Oh, hi, it's Kimberly. Are you my patron? Why aren't you my patron? If you just go to patreon.com slash start me up, you're going to see all the tiers I offer. You're going to see so much. You're going to see everything. Just go to patreon.com slash start me up and become my patron today. You won't regret it. Okay, we're back. Um... I just think, you know, this is interesting because Kyle Griffin said a reminder of how much Dobbs has altered the political terrain between Wall Street Journal's March poll and their latest poll. Women who are independent shifted 20 percentage points in the Democrats direction and Hispanic women moved by 15 points. So this is also kind of lending to what we're just talking about as far as what you're hearing on mainstream cable media. And of course, you are hearing this on some of these people I mentioned, but um Ultimately, yeah, we're, we're, there's a reality of what's happening and then there's the story of what's being told and they're not necessarily meeting up. And I think what's the truth is we are, I mean, I don't know how this is going to affect the House because of all the gerrymandering. And I can't remember, the st- there was a statistic out there or a number out there that it's like Democrats need to win 26 seats but Republicans only need to win eight or so. I don't remember how it is. It's easy. Yeah. Long story short, it's easier for Republicans, even if, you know, Democrats come out and mass to vote. We have to overwhelm. We have to overwhelm right. the vote and we can right. do it. It's a possibility. It's just going to be really fucking hard. So we have to take it upon ourselves. And I mean, I think it's going to be hard to. It's, you know, we're, we're all conditioned now to watch not everybody watches cable news, but the people who are conditioned, like the thing that worries me is the moderate out there, the older moderate 
like liberal moderate who's watching CNN and can slowly be that boiled frog, right? Who can just every day a little bit of a suggestion or, you know, talking about Biden making this wrong decision to speak in front of, which is bullshit. They hear that every day and then they start thinking that way. And that's what concerns me is that people who are moderates will be kind of sucked to the right because of what's happening on CNN and, and, you know, like Politico and things like that. It's, you know, the one thing, the one thing, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, the, um, that with the whole, everything that happened down at Mar-a-Lago with, 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 with the raid and everything like that, Mm -hmm. one thing, and maybe, you know, I'm reading the tea leaves in a weird way, but (laughs) the one thing it feels like I've noticed, even on the Republican side, even on the Fox news side, you know, Trump always had that air about him and I don't not rightfully so in my opinion at all, but he almost kind of, you know, always had that like, okay, I'm doing some illegal stuff and some, or at least some, some, some verging on illegal stuff, but you know, I'm a good businessman and Mm -hmm. I'm competent and I'm doing this kind of stuff. I think with the whole, with all the, 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 everything that happened down there and all the papers they found, I think he lost that. I think even with Republicans, I'm I'm not MAGA Republicans, of course, but like main, like he lost that air of the small, like he always kind of had that well, yeah, he talks too much and he's an idiot. And, mm-hmm. you know, even, you know, some of my Republicans friends said, yeah, I, I wish he would just shut up and get off Twitter at the time or whatever. Um, but he's still a good businessman, whatever. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think he kind of lost that because yeah. he like that. That looked like that. That Not only did it look, you know, whether, whether or not you think it's criminal, it it um it lo- the incompetency mm-hmm. level it just looks stupid mm-hmm. you know more than anything else you know like <laughs> dude if you're going to try to be do something nefarious like maybe you are trying to do maybe you're not trying to do you did it in the stupidest way i mean that on top of everything he's trying to do with the 2020 election stuff i mean it's just you're just looking like whether it's criminal or not you're just looking dumb mm-hmm. right now and mm-hmm. i think that's sort that part I don't think the like for, for the hardcore Republican. I don't think the criminal part's broken to their their sphere yet. But I think the the like he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer part of it. I think <laughs> yeah. might be creeping into their their tra- train of thought right now. Yeah, that's an interesting you know. And then I've always said that if you know we are seeing a little bit of a break from him from the right, and it's funny too because Christopher Boozy keeps insisting that you know I don't know if you know who Boozy is, but he runs Sentinel, bought Sentinel, and oh, okay. Um, he he keeps telling us, I think it was on August 3rd when he first started saying there was going to be stuff coming out that's really bad for the Republicans. It's going to cause the Democrats to win. Initially, he wasn't sure about the House. He's more sure about the House now. I think it was last week. I you know He said more stuff is even coming. And I said, you know, he, he, he had said something about this being the tip of the iceberg or, or whatever. And I said, so where are we now in, in the iceberg? And he said, well, we're still above water. So this was last week. Mm. Now, he also said last week that, you know, we were going to be hearing by the end of the week, big name Republicans turning on Trump, which we did. Some of them weren't new. But when you add them all together, we had Steve Ducey um, and Coulter, who was already turned on Trump. Uh, She said a few things. Laura Ingram said we have to move on, move past Trump. Um, I know Carl Wolf came out, said something. Bush, again, those aren't new, but still they're big names. But Ducey's big. And I think that if we're ever going to see a turn away, they don't fucking need him anymore. They got yeah. what they wanted and they needed from him and they, he no longer serves them. So at some point, and I've said this before, but I would not be surprised to see Tucker Carlson going, does Trump really have too much baggage to win? You know, and that's right, how they start right, right. the separation. And I, you know, people keep saying they're never going to leave Trump because of the base but the base is so easily led anyway they can be led right into being DeSantis fans or whoever their new hero is of fascism yeah Yeah, I I agree with you a thousand percent and let's not forget what 20 uh late 2015 you know the mainstream media had us convinced that it was going to be Jeb Bush versus Hillary Mm -hmm. you know so um I think it's still to, you know, I'm not even necessarily, I know everybody, like the the, the common knowledge is if it's not Trump, it's going to be DeSantis. I'm still not even convinced totally of that. I'm not sure who it is. It could right. be someone we're not, not even on our radar right now, you know? Yeah, well, he's just got the lead now. So he's the person right, that right. we look at now. But you're right, because for all we know, I mean, like Barack Obama came in real late in the game 
and and blew yeah. everything up. So we might, you know, you never know. There might be a a new face that comes along and excites everybody, which I I hope doesn't happen. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. And but you can guarantee that whoever that person is is not going to be a good person for the country, <laughs> right? Right. Or right. the world, yeah. because I think you know I I said earlier something on Twitter about the American experiment. And it's like, you know, if, if we lose the American experiment, the, the human, exp- or I should say if it fails, well, then so does the human experiment because it's, yeah. it's about our climate now, you know, and I, I don't know what the deal is, but I think if we, if we took action and did everything we absolutely should right now, it's 500 years of crap we're going to have to put up with. It can be turned in the other direction, but we're going to deal with all kinds of unpleasant consequences, even if we do everything right now, which we're not do- we're doing as much as, you know, Biden passed what he could. But, yeah. um, you know, it's it's not necessarily going to solve all our problems. And if right wing takes power, that's it. There's not going to be anything for our climate. And that'll be it. That'll be it. I mean, it won't be tomorrow, but it'll, sure. it, it'll take some time. But, yeah, for sure, we're going to start seeing more and more destruction and it'll be more. It, it's just it, it, it's just going to end i think humanity would end if we do nothing about climate change eventually we'll be we'll be gone or only a few of us will be left remaining to start anew so i don't know <laughs> it's like let me ask you an existential question would sure. would you prefer to um like you know like whether it's the nuclear explosion um, you hear of a nuclear, you know, you hear there's a nuclear bomb going off. You know that it's going to mm. happen. Would you, you know, or, or in the idea of climate, would you rather be around to try to start anew or would you rather say, fuck it, I'm leaving. I don't want to deal with the aftermath. You mean like like uh, a nuclear bomb, just like not even knowing it actually even hit, like, well, like just, just gone? Or, well, like, for instance, like we would know if um, a nuclear bomb was headed toward the White House, right? We'd probably get sure. news about that. So at that point, and if you're living where I live, which is in the D.C. area, you, you head to it or you run away from it to try to stay alive. What would, would be your, you know, because, yeah, I mean, and, and if we get, if somebody hits us with a nuclear weapon, I, I would make the assumption that that wouldn't be the last. There would probably, you know, be more, I mean, we, we see Chernobyl and the fallout from Chernobyl and all that shit. So sure. Like, are you someone who runs and says, fuck it, I'm leaving, or I'm going to try to survive this? Uh, I mean, I think human instinct is to try. I mean, I might, you know, there's, there's, I think human instinct is to try to survive it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, I think ultimately, I mean, well, you, you never know until you know, but um, right. <laughs> I think there's just that thing, innate thing in us to try to survive it and try to fix it. If, if there's a way anything can be fixed, yeah. you know, so that's probably what will be the situation. I mean, after, you know, having a, a, a mental breakdown before right. you know but yeah i think that would be my instinct i would think to try to like you know deal with it and and try to figure out a way to fix it like in my little way that i right. could which who knows what that would be that's yeah. interesting yeah my mom and i who um you know she's always referred to me of the as the crack of doom but she's actually now kind of taking on <laughs> my crack of doomism um not not that i feel that uh there is no point to any of this. I absolutely believe there's a point to all of this. Um, but boy, humans sure make some fucked up choices. And and this existence, you know, I mean, uh, my cousin, and I told you this a little bit, I told you a little before, and I did a whole patrons only show talking about this, not the personal details, but my cousin just committed suicide. And, mm. um, you know, obviously it's upsetting to me. It's not devastating because he and I were not close. Uh, we were kind of close in a way, family close, not personally close, but, you know, sure. for, for a long time. And then um, shit happens, life happens and everything. And so we were estranged and we hadn't talked for a long time. His, his death absolutely is upsetting to me. Um, but I also, I feel like he is now, I don't like to say that he's in a better place, but I think that he is relieved from his human torture. And sure. um, and he did have some torture, mental torture. Now, I don't necessarily have mental torture, but there is part of me who I, I there would, I, I don't know exactly what I would do. Like you said, once it comes down to it, it's really easy to speculate 
and not have to deal with it if it's not really happening. But if it were really happening, mm-hmm. my mom and I are like, we're going to run to the fucking, <laughs> we're going to run to the Capitol. <laughs> and, no. you know, and it's like, poor, I know Bob is already like, if there was a nuclear thing, I'd be heading out this way. And I'm like, well, I think I'd be going in the other direction. But I don't know that. I say that half jokingly because I feel, um, sometimes I feel like human beings are getting it wrong. But, you know, I mean, that could have easily been argued. Uh, in Nazi Germany, and yeah. we were able to, even though we're still a fucked up place and everything, we were over able to get, not get over it, but move past it to a way where we could recognize it, at least for some period of time, that that was the wrong thing to do. And, and, yeah. and you know, po- positive things came from that because of that, but now we're kind of heading in the other direction sometimes, and it just really feels overwhelming when the media is included. You know, when when it's like one thing to say Republicans are corrupt, but when you have the media, basically, it's like you're pointing out they're not even focusing on the and that Democrat who won in, I don't know, 49 years was a was a Native American woman. I know. Another first. Huge deal. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. It's just insane. Well, even the Kansas thing. I mean, the Kansas thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got a little bit of headlines. I heard it more on podcasts than I did on um you know, and mainstream. I mean, that's, that's a, that's freaking Kansas. You know, it's like, that's a huge freaking deal. And, um, it just kind of, you know, if it was the reverse, you know, if it would have been like, say in New York, the state of New York, they voted to overturn Roe v. You know, whatever. It would have been like nonstop on the news, you know? Mm -hmm. So true. So true. All right. So, okay. I know I'm kind of all over the map here, but I'm going to step aside from politics just one more second because I want to know and obviously and I think I might have asked you this before but um, what do you do now it's different now because you're not just in your house but what do you do for fun as you know you're a musician you've been quarantined now you're back out on the road and obviously your music is fun for you but like what other things do you do for fun well, I'm a huge, and, and as Bob will tell you, I'm a huge cinemaphile. I mean, I love, love movies mm-hmm. and, and streaming shows. You and I have talked about mm-hmm. that even a little bit, too, as well. I love that, that that you know, in immersing yourself in whether it be, a, you know, a show like Breaking Bad or mm-hmm. Better Call Saul or, you know, I'm a, a big superhero movie fan, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and just that whole culture and, like, and kind of delving into that world, too, as well. That's my... That's where my, especially in the superhero stuff, that's where I can kind of, I, I just love being a geek and like mm-hmm. finding it, all the little weird details mm-hmm. about it and speculating like who's going to be cast in this movie and who's yeah. going to direct this movie and, and you know, what kind of approach are they going to, is Batman going to be this Batman or is he going to be this version of Batman or whatever, all that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, it's, that's my, you know, uh, and if you saw my studio, there's like little Funko Pops everywhere <laughs> of every you know uh, superhero you can imagine so that's my uh i can i i turn into the most bona fide geek i'm a teddy i'm, I'm not a teddy teddy bear musician i'm a teddy bear geek yeah in that, that case so and i i wear it proudly on, on my sleeve too as well so lo- love all that stuff and you know i'm a huge you know i'm as you probably know i'm a i love fashion i yes. mean like it's and that obviously probably comes through on some of the stuff i wear mm-hmm. on stage but uh you know, I joke even on my Twitter profile, I said my favorite superhero is Liberace. And um, <laughs> and uh, just the uh, I, just, whether it be architecture or clothing or, you know, I mean, the visual thing, like when I got into music, the what like I remember, like when I really connected with mu- music and it was music and video at the same time, I was I was probably, you know, eight or nine years old and um it was late night tv was on and they were showing videos and i was kind of halfway half asleep and ashes to ashes came in the Mm -hmm. the david bowie video Mm -hmm. and it was like that song and the visual of him performing that song that those kind of those two kind of clicked for me at the same time Mm -hmm. so like music has always been visual to me from the get-go whether it be david bowie or the talking heads or Mm -hmm. more recently like bands like daft punk or um um, you know, all those kind of, those kind of things. So mm-hmm. it's just, um, that is, uh, that's my, uh, my other little passion besides the playing it is like the visual thing. So between movies and, and the fashion, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bob and I are currently watching Breaking Bad again and it's my third time, I believe. And it's funny because every time you watch, I was a little nervous because he had mentioned we had been watching Better Call Saul. And the funny thing is, you know, initially he was watching it alone. 
and I didn't have a much, I didn't really have much interest in it. And yeah. uh, over time, he just kept watching it, and I'd hear about it. It's like, all right, fine, let's just start watching it. And um, of course, I get sucked in. And, sure. Um, and I'm loving it and everything. And while we're watching Better Call Saul, he's like, oh, do you maybe can we watch Breaking Bad? I'm like, we need to wait because we. It wasn't that long ago that we watched the whole thing again. So I pushed it off for about a year. And then we finished Better Call Saul, which was fantastic. I loved it. Oh, and oh yeah. So good. And then um, so as we're watching, now, I think it's his fourth time and it's my third time. Um, it's fascinating to me because there's always something new you can take from it. it. You know, Bob is somebody that can watch things over even a little bit more than me because I've watched movies over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, but I think he's even got a little bit more tolerance than I do for it. But I do have to say that it's like it's fascinating to find the new shit, even with with something that you've been watching and are so familiar with. And there's still things that I don't completely remember. You know, as I'm watching it, I'll ask questions out loud and I go, don't tell me. Don't tell me because I can't remember. <laughs> right. And right. Really right. Don't give yourself a spoiler for something you've even seen already. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy because I know he remembers it. But it was it's it's just it, it's. I find that that version, the, the whether it's a film, which I want to ask you about Elvis in a second, but um, you know whether it's a film or TV show or whatever, especially during these tough times, you know, since the escalator ride, they have really proved to be almost like self-medication. I mean, it's always yeah. been that way. Entertainment is a form of, I don't know, I don't necessarily, I mean, can be medication, but it's just so good for us. It's just so good to be entertained. So, I mean... Yeah, it's it, it feels amazing whenever you get caught up in a show, a movie, a series or whatever it is, and then like think about what it means, because there was a and I talked about this on my patrons only show, but there was there was that whole I think it was season two and they start off in Breaking Bad in season two with the first episode is in the first shot is in black and white, which always indicates it's in the future. And, right, um, right. So it was that there was a plane crash that happened at the end of the season, but they tease you with it at the beginning. You don't know it's a plane crash, but stuff falls into Walt's pool. And um, but what I find fascinating about it is that, you know, and I found parallels even with my cousin's death, because one thing, one little thing we do affects other people and it just goes out into the world. And so it's like the fact that um, Jane, uh, Jesse Pinkman you know, hooked up with this girl and they, they did heroin. Ultimately she was a, she was a junkie who was clean, but then, you know, she decides to do drugs again. She introduces him to heroin and then they do heroin and they fall asleep. Walt comes in and, and sees her as a, as a, you know, threat. And she starts to choke on her own vomit. And instead of waking her up, he just lets her die. And then when mm. she dies, her father, is so distraught who's played by John Delancey and he's like an air traffic controller and he's so distraught on the job that because he wasn't paying attention two planes crashed and that's, that's right. you know that's what we see but what a metaphor for life as far as our actions you know what the decision that I make to do one little thing you, you don't think in terms of how it, it affects everybody in the whole world you know, yeah. it's going to have an effect out there that's going to affect maybe not every single person in the whole world, but just, you know, these planes fucking crashed because Jesse and the girl got together and did heroin. Sure. And it's like, sure. I, I just had to put that out there because I think, I think it was. Well, let's, was let's, so let's tie that back to, you know, going back to Biden's speech last Thursday, we want to the media and even us on Twitter and all of us, me included, I'm guilty of it. We want to like. We want to think that there's an immediate effect after right. like everything he said in that speech, yeah. like, okay, by Monday, the whole world's <laughs> going to feel that immediate effect of whatever his speech was. No, it may be six, eight. I mean, obviously, hopefully some of it will permeate before the election. Yeah. But I mean, even six, eight months, a year from now, mm -hmm. that's that's in 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 our world right now. And, and it I, it's going to take a, a, a you know, that was some heavy stuff he was mm -hmm. laying on. Every, I mean, really, really heavy stuff. If mm -hmm. you think about it and for just like everybody to be like, OK, well, let's let's do some some quick polling on how mm -hmm. the, the country thought of this. You know, it's right. like, no, it's it, speech like that doesn't you know, it's going to take a while for that mm -hmm. to, to marinate with everybody, you know. So true. So true. Um, okay, so with, with Elvis, I just want to know a little bit about it because my mother watched it the other night. She's like, oh, my God, you have to watch it. It's so good. 
And so why is this movie, without any giving any spoilers, although it is Elvis's life, but why is this movie so good? And, and like in comparison to the thousands of others that have been made, what, what makes this one so good? Well, um, and there are kind of, spo- you know, there are actually kind of spoilers in it just in terms of the way they do it. So, so watch what you hear. But, um, right. uh, well, first off, in, in two words, Austin Butler. Um, okay, that's, yeah. He is, I mean, if he's... If he doesn't win the Academy Award, I'm I'd be willing to bet a hundred dollars he'll 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 be nominated because right. he is, you know Elvis was almost you know there was fifties Elvis there was sixties mm-hmm. Elvis and there was seventies Elvis and they're like three different people not only just hmm. in terms of like I mean singing styles different visually mm-hmm. they look different and not only the thing that was so amazing about when you watch the transformation of him. Like fifties, like physically, he built like a, a boy. You know, he was like twenty twenty one. He's built like a boy. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and the sixties Elvis. You know, of course, the seventies Elvis. They can pat him up and make him look mm-hmm. heavier. That's easy stuff with makeup. But I'm talking about like the sixties Elvis. In the sixties, Elvis looked like a man. Like he was like you know broad shouldered yeah. and you know, you know broad chested and, mm-hmm. and thicker guy and. Butler, like, you know, I mean, maybe there were prosthetics or maybe he just lived in the gym for whatever he did. But like there's you visually there's visual uh, uh, transformations that Mm. happen to him. And the thing is, you know, me being an Elvis fan, I can say this every time they've done Elvis in a movie like whoever's played Elvis, it's always kind of like. Yeah, but Elvis, you know, you know, most movies when they cast an actor, the actor always looks better than the person that they're playing. You know, they're always a little bit better looking than the person yeah. they're playing. Elvis, it's always been the opposite. No matter who plays Elvis, mm-hmm. no one could look as good as that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just so freaking handsome, dude. Mm-hmm. And, and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And um, Butler, Butler doesn't look exactly like Elvis, mm-hmm. but he's very he's just about as striking looking as Elvis is yeah. in terms right. of his looks. And that really helps a lot understanding why would girls and mm-hmm. women and, and and just the general public men envy to be him and like mm-hmm. why was this so crazy he just does it so so well he doesn't overact it the the cost i mean you know it's baz Luhrmann, you know who did uh, moulin rouge and did mm-hmm. uh romeo and juliet and it's wow. so it's definitely got his stamp on it um and it's a tragic freaking story story too as well they don't they don't go one extreme or the other. They don't make him like, you know, like a behind the music thing, but they, mm-hmm. you really see his journey. You see where he was influenced by. Mm-hmm. You understand like as, as, as much as he had the world at his fingertips, he was basically alone by himself. You know, the Beatles had each other. They yeah. had as famous as they got. They still had the three other guys that could kind of bounce yeah. and deal with this fame that they were going through together. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only close comparison that I can think of in, in pop music. Um, and, but Elvis was just himself. So, um, and I, and it's really good. They really go down the rabbit hole of showing how talented, not just talent. Yes. He's an incredible singer. We all know that, but in terms of th- just as a musician, that not the singer part as a musician, like they go into some stuff and I'm not going to, this is not too spoilery, but he's, they go into some stuff about him arranging stuff with the band and mm. like, you know, his ideas for this and his idea to make yeah. this sound this way. So it wasn't just like, he was just like a puppet that looked looked good and had a good voice. Mm-hmm. He actually there was art there was artistic merit to him, and they really delve into that a lot in this movie. So I mean, I, I've watched it, I've seen it. Through, I I got to go to a press screening because I was on a podcast actually being a reviewer about it, and um, so I got to see it really early. I saw it again after that, and I've seen so I've seen it three times already, and I could probably watch it three three four or five more other times. It's very rewatchable too, on top of everything else. Wow, that you know, I watched on my own. I just watched the trailer, and I felt the excitement <clears throat> for coming from the trailer. And yeah. you know, I I didn't have a big desire to see it, um, just because I have seen other movies, and it's like okay, another Elvis movie. But then everybody starts talking about it, and they're screaming about him, and yeah. um, just saying amazing, amazing performance. And my mom said the only flaw that she saw at all was we know that um, what's her name, Priscilla, did he made her dye her hair black, but I guess at 14, they had her with black hair. My mom said she didn't have black hair at 14, but that was it. Oh, ah, good, 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 good shot there. Yeah. That's, yeah that's, but that that's was it. Her. That was yeah. it. She didn't know. And you know, what's funny because I was never, I didn't have any kind of opinion of Elvis other. I mean, I was a kid, you know, I was a kid when he died and I remember, you know, my aunt was really upset about it and I had just, you know, I understood that he was the older Elvis 
and the drugged up Elvis, and I just didn't think anything of it. And then I was working on Days of Our Lives. It was the first time I ever worked on that show, and it was like the it was December of 1995. And the guy, his name his name is Austin, um, on the show. He he was playing Austin. He bought he brought in the Elvis Christmas CD. And mm. so they were playing it in the makeup room. And I was like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. And I went yeah. and I got it. And then I became an Elvis fan. And I'm primarily fond of his rockabilly, his earlier stuff. Like yeah, Little sure. Sister. Even even the fun, um, you know, Itching Like a Man on a Fuzzy Tree. What all shook up. Uh, I, oh, right. I love that song. I mean, and then, of course, there's like the um, Hunka Hunka Burn in Love. And, right, right. You know, I mean, there's that version. I love that version. The only and some of his ballads I really like, although I'm not the big ballad person. But I mean, I just can't get over how good Elvis is, you know, especially that rockabilly. It was just he was fantastic. And then well, yeah, and what's, and what's wild is, is you see as a just as a pure singer, the, the again, the way he sounded in the 50s, the way he developed. I yeah. mean, in the 70s, yes, he was overweight and the drugs and all that kind of stuff. But he was almost singing like a freaking opera singer and this mm-hmm. is for an untrained singer i mean his voice had developed like it got kept getting the older he got it kept getting you know a lot of times mm-hmm. singers as they kind of age they they kind of lose a little bit off the top mm-hmm. and and he kept getting better like just in terms of just a technical uh aspect it was like he's he's doing things with his voice that someone that's not un, untrained should be able to do with their voice you know hmm. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I think we're probably going to watch it this Saturday because I know it's a little over two hours. It's like two and a half hours or two hours and five minutes. Yeah, it is pretty long. Yeah, it is. But it doesn't to me. It didn't feel long. I mean, right. it, again, it's got all the 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 razzmatazz that Baz Luhrmann does. You know, I don't know if you've seen Moulin Rouge or any of his other yes, movies. You know, or Great Gatsby. It's very it's very visually you right. know boom 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 you know type thing. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I just know that for the weeknight, it's we don't have that much time. To, to, to dedicate it. for it so yeah we have to wait till saturday <laughs> but uh i'm very much looking forward to it and you know it just it looks fantastic but i think it's come to the time in the show that uh we're gonna part so before i let you go as i tell everybody tell everyone out there where to find you well the the all-knowing place i guess is always the old website which is f-r-e-e-k-b-a-s-s i spell it a little different freakbase.com and one place i spend quite a bit of time on uh, nowadays which i highly recommend people to stop by not just for me but for everybody it's on twitch and hmm. my site is twitch.tv slash freakbase we talked about playing live that is in terms of not being on the road that's the closest adrenaline feeling i i have playing live because you're actually interact when you live stream on twitch you're not going on for like 10 15 minutes you're on for two three some streamers stream up to five six seven hours but um and you are constantly talking to the audience like on my stream what i'm doing is i'm creating grooves and and the odd or the the chat who are all live or typing in lyric ideas and we write kind of like write songs together like on the fly so um it's a really special thing. I'm actually getting uh, on Saturday, September 17th. I'm doing a 24 hour stream, which is insane. I know, but I'm going to be streaming 24 hours straight. And again, that's twitch.tv slash freak base. We're doing like giveaways. I'm having guests in the studio. Wow. Um, uh, it's going to be crazy, crazy day. So, um, but usually I'm on there. Uh, I'm usually on uh, Sundays, Sundays at five, Mondays at noon. This is all Eastern time and Thursday nights at 9 PM Eastern time. You can find me on there. So um, Bob's actually, you know, I, I can never think about Bob's. But I know a lot of people that are now on my Twitch stream or Bob sent them that way, so which, hmm. again, thank you, Mr. Seska, for all that. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, it's a really cool – Twitch is different than any other social media platform because it's all live streaming. It's not like – that's not just some – extra thing they do like a lot of this pattern that's the whole thing and it started off for gamers and the musicians gravitated there's like talk shows on there now there's baking shows on there now it's it's become this whole uh, i'm actually going out uh, next month i'm going to which is called twitchcon which is out in san diego it's like thirty thousand people at the san diego convention center um of all us crazy twitch people so it's like kind of like this little uh interesting set but it's a really cool cool spot just to go and just search around even you know no matter what you're doing you'll you'll definitely find something on there you'll like i'm gonna check that and of course you're also freak base which is f-r-e-e-k-b-a-s-s on it's at you know at freak base on twitter so don't forget to follow him on twitter too if you don't already um yeah yeah and i'm looking right now you've got that new fucking profile picture of the cat 
oh my god that is the coolest picture i love that <laughs> no i just did that today somebody somebody said it's like i said somebody sent me that one. this looks like you if you were a cat i'm like okay yeah you kind of does yeah so, so funny but then of course i scroll down and i see you can't unsee this now you posted something that says i can't unsee this now and it's somebody putting their toilet seat in the uh dishwasher that is so gross <laughs> oh, my oh my god, god. And i think rex posted that yes, i was like oh my gosh i know yeah <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, so also you can follow me on Twitter, author Kimberly, L-E-Y at the end of my name. My books are on Amazon. Freak, I absolutely love you. You are the teddy bear of funk, but you're so cool, too. So thanks for being on my show. <laughs> oh, thank you. And teddy bear is one of my favorite Elvis songs. You talk about early <laughs> Elvis songs. That's a good early Elvis song right there, too. So it all works. It all works. All right, you take care. All right, thank you, Kimberly. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.